This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, it's just a Super Bowl edition of Cardinals Underground. No biggie beyond that. Just a super-sized edition of Cardinals Underground with yours truly, Pauly Podcast. Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, who's been struggling over there with the ergonomics over here at the <laughs> flagship radio station in studio at Bonneville Incorporated, Arizona Sports 98.7 and KTAR. You're good, Danny. You're good on all fronts right now? I am. This is the first time I've been in the studio, so I'm adjusting to the new microphone. I'm adjusting yeah. to the chair where the back kind of... Pushes back a little more than I was used to, and so as I was zipping up my jacket, I kind of fell backwards a little more than I expected, um, but I think I'm ready now. Danny's self-contained. Normally, she's used to a floor director in the TV studio helping her out with everything. <laughs> she's got to handle it herself. It's you, good for her. Paul, do you want to explain why we're even in the studio? <laughs> well, the Eagles have taken over Cardinals headquarters, the Dignity Health Training Center. The Eagles, the NFC representative, Akin to Jalen Hurts doing a podcast, apparently, in the studio. I already said earlier on the Red Sea Report, uh, nobody touched my stapler, capiche, okay? They're in our building right now. Uh, Once upon a time, the last time the Super Bowl was in town, the Patriots took over the Cardinals facility. But if I recall correctly, we, we still got to spend half days in there. And now it's just no bueno. They covered all the windows, though. So if you were in the building, you did not have a view of the practice fields. And the uh, CEO of the Patriots himself, otherwise known as the Hall of Famer, the head coach, made sure all of the windows were covered once upon a time. That shouldn't surprise anybody. I actually was blindfolded when I had to enter the building at that point. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, all your recording devices were confiscated upon entry. No, none of that going on. By the way, there's only two kinds of media members right now here in the AZ for Super Bowl 57. There's the media person who actually asked Nick Sirianni if Super Bowl 57 is a must-win game. And then there's everybody else. So I don't know who exactly uh, was that person responsible. Danny, do you have knowledge? And, and, and what should be the fate that is w- awaiting the media member who asked if a Super Bowl is a must-win game with a straight face? What Was it with a straight face? I believe so. I, I couldn't see know. that. I mean, if it was a guy wearing a dress, like back in the no, day when we were there. No, I don't think it was a dress, but no? I, I got yeah. the impression it was done by somebody who okay. was looking for a reaction. A little bit of a troll there. Stirring it up a little bit. I don't know, because I, I wasn't there, so I can only imagine all the different types of media members that are there, and I'm hoping it was more of a troll question, because what would the other answer be? And I was seeing things online um, on Twitter of... Somebody was having, not asking a question, but trying to have a conversation with Jalen Hurts and just kind of said, like, you know, at the start of the year, I really didn't think that you were capable of leading this team. And Jalen responded, yeah, a lot of people didn't think so. And the reporter said, yeah, I apologize for that. And Jalen said, cool. Is it like, is, is there a question? Like, Look. the people come out here, you get a credential, media member, and I'm sure people kind of 
maybe forget about the, the journalism side of things or professional side of things, maybe get caught up in it all. Um, I don't know. I plan on going out there later this week, but that question of a must-win game, I mean, I kind of wish he would have said no. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that was tongue-in-cheek. And, and look, wherever we are with media night, that opening media night, that doesn't – to me, it doesn't even compare to how media day used to be, which not on a Monday night, it used to be – a Tuesday during the day, it used to be at this stadium where they were playing the games, uh, and everybody was her- uh, herded onto a sideline. And I've done many of them. I mean, I've been fortunate. Uh, this might be my tenth or eleventh Super Bowl, something like that, that I've covered. Um, and I-, I don't really like the basketball arena media night thing. I get why they're doing it, bringing in fans that used to not have fans, but. I mean, back in the day when you had people wearing wedding dresses and really back in the day we needed a, we needed a big top. Oh, you didn't. It was a circus. See, it was an absolute was, circus. You you would have you would have uh, the late night shows would send I, I, like I their correspondent say, and it was a comedian. Uh, late night shows, yeah. But it would it'd be more than that. I, I I don't want to stereotype, but it felt like there was a lot of um, foreign outlets that would send. Uh, there was one year there there was a woman in a wedding dress trying to get Tom Brady to propose to her. Uh, there was definitely a guy one time with a puppet trying to ask questions through a puppet. Uh, it, it used to be pretty annoying, quite frankly, for somebody like me, like a journalist who actually had to ask questions to get stories. Hey, I was at a uh, 49ers event way back in the day, Steve Young, and uh, someone from TMZ, or maybe it was extra back in the day, female reporter, Steve, will you marry me? That was a question from the back of the uh, scrum. So that's the kind of stuff that's the norm, actually, for a Super Bowl media day back in the day. So there you go. Uh, other sidebar notes, uh, obviously the traffic around town, everyone's uh, experienced that. Did you realize that there's over 1,000 additional private planes at the eight regional airports all over the Phoenix One metro of them yours, area. Paul? No. Uh, you know, Danny, I, how about you? But I am renting mine I out. Wish. I'm renting my plane out for big money, though. So it's, 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 I monetized it. Verboed so, your plane. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, and, and by the way, in case you know you have a company on the side, a side hustle, and you wanted to buy an ad during the Super Bowl, I'm sorry, all the ad space for Super Bowl 57 has been sold out. Would you care to guess the range that it costs for a 30-second ad in this year's Super Bowl? Danny, you're on the spot. What do you think it costs big companies to 30 advertise? 30 seconds? 30-second spot in this year's Super Bowl will cost you? $3 million. Double that, between 6 and 7 Okay, so I was kind of close. Okay. No, you really weren't. Uh, I really kind of was. <laughs> you think three million is close to six million? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> well, when you go in, when you go in, <laughs> what? I'm going to tell Tim. Hey, next time Danny asks for a raise, and just what? make it be fifty percent, and then you won't have to worry about it. Note to self: it's don't close. don't hire Danny as my representative <laughs> as my agent going forward. That's that's all I'm going to say over that front. By the way. <laughs> Since we'll just get all the Danny-related topics yeah, let's get them out. out of the way, here's your Texas. You, Danny. Your Texas angle on this one is that you're going to have a quarterback from Texas winning the Super Bowl for the fourth time in six years, along with Nick Foles and Matthew Stafford. 
Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, both high school phenoms in the state of Texas. So, Kyler Murray Sorry, trending. I was just going to say, are you telling yep. me that means Kyler Murray's on deck? So you're saying there's a chance. So there you go. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, what I'm saying is, yes, there, there you go. That's Or that's, Cole McCoy. Cole McCoy, <laughs> absolutely. That's a good one. I what, like that. What I'm saying is, once upon a time, Danny, Western PA used to own that, that you know, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Joe Namath, Jim Kelly, Johnny Unitas back in the day. That's true. And now it's all about the Texas quarterback. So, boom, that's a flex for you over there. Sure. I did not play quarterback in the state of Texas or any state for that matter, but I will absolutely take it. Danny was a wide receiver. I I feel like I would have been a wide receiver if I played football. Would you play offense or defense? Offense. Oh, God. Or I feel like I could be be a cornerback. Cornerback or wide receiver. And by if you were the, curious. By the way, uh, and you know what? You would get your start maybe in flag football, Danny. Did you see at the Pro Bowl games? All right, show of hands. Who watched any of the Pro Bowl games over the weekend? I oh. saw stuff online when it was posted. Yeah. I didn't watch yeah. it, though. I did see the recap on NFL Network, and there was actual genuine outrage from Peyton Manning over the controversy at the end of the game. Because if you're inside the five-yard line in flag football, you can't run the ball. And the final play of the game was a kneel down which Peyton's ran out and started yelling at the official, that's a running play, the kneel down, and that should be a flag, and we should get the ball back with like 20 seconds to go trying to tie the game. And then there was somebody joked, well, was there a pool reporter talking to the official after the game? (laughs) So there you go. It's been a tough tough year for NFL officials. You didn't miss much. That was the controversy at the end. Buda Baker had an interception. He did have an interception. You're right. And I also saw Miles Garrett was limping off with a toe injury. Can you imagine? Although I already saw that he's, it's like, Okay. Already. Oh, he's fine. Okay, good. But Buddha got a pick. That was exciting. There you go. There you go. And to come full circle on the ads, by the way, Danny, because you you want an update from the cryptocurrency update desk. Uh, there's no crypto ads this year. There's there's no like FTX or Coinbase. No crypto ads in in the Super Bowl this year. So I know you were going to be waiting on the edge of your couch. I, I have a question for Darren. So I actually brought my bingo card home with me, knowing we weren't going to be there this week, and I'm really f- upset with myself because I left it in my apartment. So Darren, are we counting things that are said by Paul today on bingo cards, or nothing counts this week because neither of us have the card? I feel. I feel since it's Super Bowl week, we need to count these things. Okay, I'm going to so, write it down. Okay, write Good down job, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Crypto was on the bingo board. All right, so next week, as I segue here by design, next week, how long before you get an announcement on a Cardinals head coach? And do you expect it to be next week, Darren, now that we're reportedly down to a final two, Mike Kafka and Lou Anarumo? Wow. I wish I knew, Paul. Okay. I mean, I, it, I think – I think considering Staten Island Lou's interview is reportedly <laughs> scheduled for Friday, yeah, that would seem to indicate next week. It, so it, maybe it was a lame question right up no, there with is the Super Bowl a must win game? I don't think it's I'll take ownership on that. Here's the only reason I would hesitate on that. And again, I am now speaking out of like uh this is speculation. I feel like it's somewhat informed, knowledgeable speculation, but it's strictly speculation. If indeed Mike Kafka, who reportedly is talking to the team as we record, well, not as we record this, but some at some point today, um, if he was the leader in the clubhouse and you really like him and then he comes and wows you, I suppose that that could get brought up and then you move on and, and maybe there's an announcement. Now, do I think there's going to be a press conference this week no matter what? No. Uh, I think we're too deep into the Super Bowl at this point, but maybe news breaks. I don't know. Odds are yes, they're going to get through both these interviews, and then you're you're going to be talking 
uh, early next week. And who knows, we might be in a position, uh, kind of what ended up happening with, with Monty, where we ended up podcasting essentially right after his press conference, if I recall correctly. Um, I, I think it's it's hard to tell. I, I think clearly Michael Bidwell wants to get this right. And I know, look, there's going to be a lot of you out there right now that are upset. I've seen a lot of it on social media. The, the wait has been difficult. I understand that there's concern about who is out there. But, um, you know, we are tasked at this point to see what happens and then move and, and see. And, and I've always been this person, Paul. You, you know this about me. I'm not – they're going to hire somebody, and I'm going to see what that means. I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of head coach Mike Kafka or Luana Rumo will be. I don't think anybody does. Nope. And when they get hired, it seems foolish to me, just like it's foolish to me on draft night to say, well, they screwed this up or up, they did a great job. How do you know? So we'll we'll see what happens. In my opinion, you have to make a hire next week. And that's still I still feel that you should take your time and you shouldn't rush things. But I think if you are down to your final two and you are reportedly having second round interviews this week with those two what more would you still need well i'm not saying it's it would happen monday or anything of that nature but unless unless you are unbeknownst to us and you know interested in a coach that is either with the chiefs or with the eagles i mean that that's something different and maybe that has been the case all along and you know, the big name was really just D'Amico Ryans with the 49ers and then obviously, you know, the the Bengals offensive and defensive coordinators that spoke with the Cardinals. So maybe there's a chance on that. But if that's not the case and these are your final two and this is who you are deciding between, I don't know why you would need to wait longer than next week. If that's what you know and that's who you want, you have to start getting your staff put together. You have to start working with Monty Awesome Ford in this front office on in the scouting department on what you want this team to look like, what free agents are important for you to keep, what are the priorities in the draft. There's going to be so much you have to decide. And if you know who your top two candidates are, assuming that the Cardinals are not interested in somebody with the Chiefs or the Eagles, I don't know why you would need to wait past next week. Uh, two points to make. One, we're, we're on top of the combine where the coaches go. And we're talking about after Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's a group of us flying out for the combine two weeks uh, from the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. So wow. we're, we're moving on it. And then um, the other point, which is completely unrelated to anything, but these giant screens right in front of me is really weird because now all I can see is Danny's eyes and maybe the tip I of her nose. I have two computer monitors show, in front of me. <laughs> so she's got, I, I feel like there's this disembodied Danny voice when she's talking because I can't see her mouth. I just see her eyes lighting well, up as she's making when points. when Craig Relu was here for Red Sea Report, he was standing up. But I feel like if I stand up, I'm somehow like almost shorter than when I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> is this better? Uh, you, I, you need to do what's going to make you comfortable. I just, I had to make that point and I know I, know I just drove us off the road, Paul. So if you want to bring us back. Well, let's see. Since the last time we were here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, uh, it was the Sean Payton news broke during the middle. It did. And then since then, we've had— And the, so did technically D'Amico Ryan's D'Amico broke. Ryan's. Okay. So let's take those three names, all right? For everyone who was wondering what could have been, yeah. my answer would be nothing. Think of the reporting 
on Sean Payton. In fact, this morning, okay, here we are, Super Bowl week, Peter Schrager said on NFL Network, and I loosely quote, it was going to be Denver all along, that the orange tie on championship morning was a tell. Well, and Sean Payton said that in his press conference. Somebody said, was the orange tie when he was last on the air, was that meaningful? And he said yes. Yes. And Schrager's reported this morning that it was going to be Denver all along which I'm a little dubious at because supposedly they made a hard run at D'Amico Ryan's not once but twice, if you believe those reports. But if so, are you telling us that Sean Payton was negotiating in bad faith with Carolina and Arizona? Why would he take those other interviews? Was he just strictly playing the leverage game? Were the Cardinals playing the game, Want to know what Sean Payton thought of their organization and their roster and what they would do with Kyler Murray? So maybe there was a shared interest. Otherwise, it seems like a waste of a seven-and-a-half-hour interview if well, it was going to truly be, quote, Denver all along. I, again, waste of a, of a seven-and-a-half-hour interview. I do think both sides could have gotten something out of it. I've been told by a very wise person who I work for in this organization. Me? You, it wasn't you, actually. Oh. I'll, I'll let you know if if you say something that's worthy of me. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um <laughs> Sorry. Right. I got under her skin on that one. Uh, a very wise person once told me, you should always be interested in being interested. And I, I do think Sean Payton got something out of it. I do think the Cardinals got something out of it. I do think the Cardinals were interested. I will stand by what I've said all along, which is there were multiple hurdles that you had to get over to get Sean Payton in the building. And if any one of those got a little bit sideways... And I believe, I believe there's one or two that got, I, I don't want to say sideways, but just yeah. you couldn't overcome those hurdles. Um, I, I think there's that. And, and the, the D'Amico Ryan's thing, he made it pretty clear. I mean, I, I think a couple of the guys who the Cardinals interviewed for, well, they ever, never actually interviewed Ryan's. But once D'Amico Ryan's knew that the Texans were willing to hire him, that's the only place he wanted to go. I think Frank Reich, because of his family situation, his first choice absolutely was Carolina because his family lives right near there. So once they zoomed in on Frank Reich, it wasn't necessarily anything against the Cardinals. He just, that was the place he wanted to be, which is one of the reasons you pick a job is where you want to live if you have that option. So I think with Frank Reich, that was that. that. So, I mean, Sean Payton... I do think there was a little bit of leverage play there, but, I mean. And I guess my overall point is, Danny, that we can say, okay, maybe the Cardinals or other teams lost any of these candidates, but I think these candidates were destined for those locations almost from the beginning, to Darren's point. Absolutely, and and things happen. Even if Denver had their eyes set on Sean Payton or vice versa, things happen. So I, I wouldn't blame Sean Payton for taking those other interviews and or if teams had interest or anything of that nature. Um but that is something that people have been very vocal about. I've seen on Twitter is talking about all of the candidates for either GM or the head coach that have turned down an opportunity with the Cardinals or maybe less about turning down the Cardinals and more taking advantage of another opportunity and, and putting all that blame on the Cardinals. What is it about this organization? What is it about this front office that Dan Quinn, Frank Reich, Sean Payton, Brian Flores are taking other opportunities there's a lot that goes into it, 
right? I, I think about Dan Quinn, who also reportedly had a second interview that same week upcoming with the Colts. So it wasn't just the Cardinals. And yes, he was staying as a defensive coordinator, but there's probably good reason he was staying in Dallas, whether that was a negotiating tactic, getting more money, if that had to do with his family and moving. There, There's a lot of moving parts. Or maybe after you've been a head coach, maybe you feel a little more stability and you enjoy being a coordinator a little more than all the hoopla that comes with being a head coach. I don't think it all falls on the Cardinals of why did Brian Flores take the Vikings defensive coordinator job instead of waiting out for the Cardinals to make their decision as head coach. I mean, I, I don't think with Sean Payton, I don't think it all falls on what's wrong with the Cardinals organization. The talk about does it have to do with Kyler Murray? All that stuff to me is is... I don't know if it's nonsense, but I don't think that's fair to just assume that because these candidates are choosing to go elsewhere, that is all just because of negative reasons with the Cardinals. Well, the, the Flores thing, I mean, I, I obviously I don't know exactly, but if you've got an, a job offer to be a defensive coordinator at a team and you have a one in three chance, as far as you know, to be the head coach – and if you wait out that one in three chance, you might lose that chance to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, that's that's a choice you need to you need to make. And look, again, I understand where fans are frustrated, and I understand why there's concern and and those kinds of things. I, I just, for me, I, I I can't. Maybe I'm just too old at this point, Paul. No, I can't get well, revved up one way or the other. Let me see who the coach is, and we'll see where it goes. I mean. I'll get fired up. I just, once again, I never considered Sean Payton a real possibility. Frank Reich, when you heard the reports out of Indianapolis that he's a wonderful coach and he's great with quarterbacks, but accountability isn't a strength. That might be his one weakness. Well, that's not going to work because that was cited by ownership of the Cardinals as something this team needs to improve, maybe first and foremost, going into next season. I truly believe D'Amico Ryans was always destined for Houston. We talked about it the last couple of weeks based on the fact he's a former team captain. His wife is from Houston. That was the fit. That's where he was going to go. So, okay. Now, the Brian Flores, look, I, I, the positive to me, a former head coach, the negative to me, he burned through three offensive coordinators during his time with the Dolphins. And you had a young quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa who had to basically be rebuilt from scratch. His confidence was shot. There were multiple stories this year that Mike McDaniel had to restore the confidence of a Tua Tagovailoa. That Brian Flores' relationship with his quarterback and his GM and his owner were not strong by the time he was let go from a winning team. So I, that makes me wary on a Brian Flores. I was never fully on board. So now you get to the final two, reportedly, and Mike Kafka and Lou Anarumo, two candidates who couldn't be more different, whether it's offense versus defense, whether it's 35-year-old versus 56-year-old, whether it's East Coast guy, Staten Island Lou versus, you know, Kafka who's supposedly really hip and, you know, and, and it relates well to the players. I mean, Danny, you tell us. You got a gut feeling and or do you have an opinion as to where do you think you'd like to see this go ultimately? It's interesting because for the most part of this search, the Cardinals have been looking for a head coach who has that experience on the defensive side of the ball. So to have Mike Kafka get this far in the process, they clearly really like him. Um, I think there's just a lot of questions that we obviously won't know until that head coach is hired when it comes to play calling. Right? Would, would Kafka, who has that offensive mind, 
call plays? Would he be the offensive coordinator? Would he bring someone in? Because I think that is how you, I would imagine, all these candidates stand out is, what is your plan for Kyler Murray in this offense? Especially all these defensive coordinators that are coming in. What kind of staff are you going to build? And how are you going to take Kyler Murray and allow Kyler Murray to take this offense to the next level? So that's really interesting to me is I, I, I don't necessarily think that coming off of Cliff Kingsbury, that offense of mine, that you have to completely go 180 and go defense in order for this team to make a complete turnaround. I don't necessarily think that's the way you have to go about it. It would make sense, and that kind of seems that that is the way the Cardinals' approach has looked, which is pretty common. Um, so I'm not sure that I would have necessarily a preference. I don't necessarily know that I know enough about either one of them. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way of if Vance Joseph and part of this defensive staff stays. That For some reason, that's just a gut feeling of mine. I think that Vance Joseph is very highly respected, and they obviously gave him a head coach interview. He didn't get a second one. But even if you hire a defensive coordinator as your new head coach, I, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. Well, I got a couple things that – popped in my mind as you're talking about this with Mike Kafka it Kafka Kafka sorry Ohms Kafka um I I keep coming back in my head and again we're not in those rooms we are not in the room when these guys have gone through their number their hours of interviews to to get really the nitty-gritty of what they're like We're, we're operating on speculation even reporters that talk about these guys I mean we we know some of the assistants for the for the Cardinals, but could we really give you a deep dive on what kind of head coach Spencer Whipple would might would make? I don't think you could, even even though we've known him for four years, and that's the thing. We're not in these interviews, but with Kafka, for me, I keep thinking to myself: Is he in some ways a at least in the Cardinals' eyes? a potentially improved version of Cliff Kingsbury. Younger coach, deals with players well. Former quarterback. Former quarterback, but has NFL experience in terms of coaching and has been around NFL-style coaching that maybe Cliff hadn't been around. So maybe you're trying to improve it there a little bit as opposed to Anarumo who, you know, that's just strictly old school. That would be flipping to the exact opposite of what they already had. The Vance Joseph thing is very intriguing to me. Lou Anarumo was on Vance Joseph's staff in Miami when Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator. So he knows, Lou, would that be something where it could get flipped? Kafka is the same kind of thing. Now, if I'm Vance Joseph, it's a tough situation. Being asked after you thought maybe you'd have a chance at being the head coach, to stay on as a defensive coordinator. And if it's Kafka, in a lot of ways, if we're – I mean, we just got through talking about Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe you're trying to make an improvement there. Are you going to ask Vance Joseph to continue in the role that he kind of already had, which was I'm going to have this defensive, this smart, savvy, veteran, ex-head coach, defensive coordinator on the staff to kind of help out my young, offensive-minded head coach? Is that – is that fair to Vance? It's a similar dynamic to when you hired Cliff Kingsbury and installed Vance Joseph. You're right. It would be a similar dynamic. That's, be, a, that's a tough ask. Yeah. Although we recall uh, 
back in the day, Ray Horton was hoping to get the head coaching job in 2013. He was interviewed. He was the defensive coordinator. He didn't get it. And then I think he was still hoping to be Bruce Arians' defensive coordinator. Didn't get that because of yep. Bruce Arians with Todd Bowles. But I, I, but, I don't know Vance's thought right. process on this, but that, those are what go through my mind. But it is intriguing that Vance Joseph, Aaron Glenn, Brian Callahan, reportedly three candidates who are out of the running, but Vance Joseph is still an Arizona Cardinal, and that the two finalists seemingly would have a place for Vance Joseph. Yes. Whether it's an offensive-minded head coach who needs a defensive coordinator, or it's if it's the defensive-minded head coach who worked with Vance Joseph once upon a time. So there does appear to be a fit in either scenario if they do continue. And there are a number of other assistants who are still under contract and still members of the Arizona Cardinals. So to what degree do a whole bunch of assistants, especially on the defensive side of the ball, continue with the Cardinals? That's, that's an unknown. But to your point also about the unknown of these two, I mean, a Mike Kafka can walk into interview number two, and he can continue to show a pretty convincing case of what he did with Daniel Jones, the quarterback taking five spots after Kyler Murray. Look at the before and after this year. Mike Kafka's only year with the Giants. Daniel Jones was a totally different quarterback. He was a turnover machine his first three years. Not the case this past season. And did he have a lot of star receivers with the Giants? No. Did he have an outstanding offensive line? No. He was the play caller. Brian Dable did outsource that to Mike Kafka, whose previous coaching gig was with Patrick Mahomes. And we heard Mahomes talk about that Super Bowl media day. And then you have a Lou Anarumo. And I was talking with Kyle Vandenbosch and Craig Greer earlier. If you go out to some of these Super Bowl fans, football fans, ask them to name two players on the Bengals defense. Think they could do it? I mean, Pac-Man this, Jones. This, 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 there's my point. Case in point. Frosty Rucker? D'Amico Ryans obviously appears to be a wonderful head coach in the making, and he was an outstanding defensive coordinator. He had a lot of dudes, had a lot of names, had a lot of all pros on that Niners defense where there were a lot of no names on the Bengals defense. What, what's, what's the saying? Jimmy and Joe's beats the X's right. and O's? Sure. And, and Lou Anarumo, so I, I could see where he yeah. gives you a pretty convincing case of him being able to do more with less in terms of his roster on that side of the ball. Again, I'm going to go back, Paul, to what we were just talking about, which is we think we know, but ultimately we're not going to know until it plays out, until somebody gets hired and then we see what happens. And even then, I mean, with the way the roster is right now, there is probably going to have to be some patience and it's not all going to fall. And and, and it's funny, we talk about these coordinators and it always – it comes down to the players, and I understand coaching means something in this league. There's no question about it. But if you go back in 2019, because Lou Anarumo has been the defensive coordinator since 2019, right, in Cincinnati, fans were ready for him to be fired in 2019. They wanted him it's fired true. in 2020. Yeah, it was ugly those first couple of years. And now it's like, oh, my God, we might lose him. That's terrible. And it's uh, again, again, it's about results. I get it, but it's also about players, and and I think there's nuance here with all these coaches that gets lost, especially in today's fast food social media world. So, did you guys realize? I did not know this that the Eagles, the Eagles in Super Bowl Fifty Seven, have all twenty two Week One starters on the field, right? All twenty two of the guys who started Week One for the Eagles will start Super Bowl 57. That sounds unheard of. Think of how mind-boggling that is coming off a Cardinals season where you used 80 different players over the course of one year. I, I, 
I had a question in the mailbag this week that said, you know, what the t- what are the, what's the biggest thing that a team, the Cardinals, need to do to get back to the Super Bowl? And I'm not going to get into a lot of the details because there's tons of things. But one thing I didn't mention is health. Paul, you've I, I know I've mentioned it on this before. The year the Cardinals made the Super Bowl, their offensive line was okay. It was not great. It was okay. But they started all 16 regular season games and all four postseason games, and mm. they didn't miss a start. Mm. And that was a big reason why they were there. Well, Some of it is health. I saw a stat last week. Kansas City missed two games from starting offensive linemen all year. The Eagles missed three. Think about that. Only two starts missed by, I think it was a left guard for the Chiefs and a tackle and a guard. Three total for the Eagles. You're talking about a season in the NFL. I also saw this, where a total of 68 quarterbacks started at least one game this past year. That's an NFL record for a non-strike year. 68 different quarterbacks started at least one game in the NFL. And a record 13 teams used at least three starting quarterbacks this last season, including, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals, who started four. Every team deals with injury, and we talked about this all year, but the point to which the Cardinals were having to deal with injury was outrageous. And that's not necessarily anyone's fault. That's just, unfortunately, sometimes the way the cookie crumbles. And that makes it difficult when you don't have a consistent lineup, when you don't have a consistent starting offensive line, or you're changing your quarterbacks sometimes late in the week, or your wide receivers are constantly being moved around because you don't have everybody healthy. And that's just talking about the offense, not even looking at the defense. I mean, that obviously makes your job very difficult when it comes to making sure everyone out there knows the plays that are being called and you're trying to cater to everybody's strengths that are out there and create this cohesion that isn't really there. And and that chemistry really only comes by practicing together. And so when you have these players who are not starters during the week because you have your starters out there seeing if they can work through injury and so they're not getting those reps together and then you go out on game day and you're having to play together I mean that's that's difficult and that's that's part of it that I understand that you know the coaches the players that's part of the game and you you have to overcome that but it was like a different level for the Cardinals this year last two months of the season Billy Price Cardinals backup center who started the second half of the season how many times did he tell the media how difficult it was to come in, not only A, as a new player to the system, be the quarterback of the offensive line, but B, we can't even practice. We're talking about practice, right? I mean, it's the Allen Iverson. We can't even practice because our offensive line is so banged up, we can't put on the pads. So now I'm going from glorified walkthroughs to trying to block Aaron Donald, and I'm trying to you know, perfect a combo block with my left guard, and we've never even worked together on a full-speed drill full contact drill. So there's a degree of difficulty there. But if we know one thing about the NFL, it's a copycat league. And I thought this was interesting too. You're wondering, okay, was it just merely luck that the Eagles stayed so healthy all year long? Or was there something to it? And the Eagles starting this year push back the start times for practice and for meetings, allowing the players to sleep in more and have more recovery time. And there's a lot of people who think internally with the Eagles, that was key. And with Cliff Kingsbury, you talk about doing the opposite from one head coach to the next. He was an early morning guy. I wonder, dot, 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 
if whoever comes in, if they're going to adopt a later schedule, just A, because it can't get much earlier than Cliff Kingsbury, but B, I wonder if other teams are going to start follow that regimen. I That's fascinating. I hadn't heard that. Uh, of course, that would be crushing for me because I'm an early morning guy and I'd rather yeah. get everything out of yeah. the way early. But uh, Different deadlines for you, Darren. Different deadlines mm-hmm. yeah. for me. But that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's no question that there's overall, not just in the NFL for athletes, there's been a bigger push for people getting enough sleep. Uh, I know Danny gets in her sleep enough but what? the rest of us i sorry i can't even see you I've, I've i've now lost my posture in my seat so now you're just a forehead. she might be sleeping right now and you can't tell but, you can't see her but <laughs> that's it that is what's happening yes <laughs> she's nodding as darren talks she's falling asleep that's what she's saying i i could Hello. see it I'm, I'm that boring um I, I i could i could totally see that and and look there's there's bigger and there's faster guys out there all the time in the nfl and that also does not help the situation. You know, you go back and look at some of these Super Bowl highlight films from like the mid-70s and their offensive linemen, like they, you know, half of them are like 230 pounds. And it's like, yeah. what what are we looking at here? So I saw this story on the Eagles and, and I, I couldn't help but notice some parallels, potential parallels to what you would hope would be an Arizona Cardinals turnaround. Tell me if this is this holds water or not. There's credence this or not, all right? You're talking about an Eagles team in the Super Bowl that in the pandemic-shortened 2020 season finished 4-11-1, okay, 4-11-1 that year. And they proceeded to fire the head coach who was coming off a of Super Bowl two, three years earlier. They got rid of the quarterback absorbing a $34 million cap hit when they got rid of Carson Wentz. And, and at the time, the owner and the GM were criticized for meddling and interfering with game plans and play calling. If you remember back, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman. Nick Sirianni came to Philadelphia. Zero fanfare. Zero. As a Colts unknown assistant coach. I'm just sort of noticing some of these parallels to, okay, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be multiple years you know of, of, of non-winning football look at how quickly the eagles were able to turn this around and obviously the big key was the eye for talent howie roseman and his staff they drafted very well they signed made trades free agency very well so for everything we're talking about with the coach and all these other things to me the key is did you get monty austin ford right and as dave sears that guy is the assistant gm and can do the two of those start adding talent immediately Absolutely. You have to give credit to the Eagles front office when it comes to assessing talent and how they draft. And Jim Mahondra was telling us earlier today, I believe it's 11 of the Eagles, 12 starters are draft picks. That's incredible mm-hmm. to have that eye for talent. And I don't want to sound too much like Darren. I do believe that you can turn things around quickly, Paul, but the Eagles, there wasn't a chance that you have your franchise quarterback missing possibly a third, maybe more to start the season with Kyler Murray in the ACL recovery. Um, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made on your offensive line because how many do you have under contract next year of your starters? One, your left tackle? Yep. DJ right Humphreys? Yeah. That, that, there, there's just, it's a lot of decisions. And, and I don't want that to sound like there's no hope for the Cardinals moving forward because I don't feel that way at all. Well, look at the two games that Jalen Hurts missed for the Eagles. They lost both. It's just, and, and Monty Awesome Fort, he used the word opportunities when all the free agents and decisions that have to be made, and, and that's what it is. It's an opportunity to 
really turn things around. And I do think there is a chance if you get this right that you can have that turnaround um, in this year. I, I do believe that. I do believe if you have all the other pieces, you can have a backup quarterback and you can win at least enough games to keep you in it so that when Kyler Murray comes back, you can really take off. There's just a lot of questions, not just on the offense, but the defense as well. You have a lot of big pending free agents and decisions that have to be made. So it's a matter of finding the right head coach, creating the right staff, and and like the Eagles, drafting well. You have to, you're, yeah. you're at the point where you have to start getting enough out of your draft picks and not just in the first two or three years, but draft picks that you can have long for, for the long future. And, and for all the superstars on the Chiefs roster, think about it. They have three rookie corners who started in the championship game. They had a rookie safety who started in that championship game. The punt returner who made the key return on what ended up being the game-winning field goal in the AFC Championship, rookie Sky Moore. RB1, seventh-round rookie Isaiah Pacheco. One of your key pass rushers, George Karloftis, rookie. I just rattled off seven rookies from this last class that have been integral, have been pivotal for the Chiefs and making a run to the Super Bowl. And I'd like to make a point, too, on some of its timing. Like you mentioned Sky Moore and making that incredible punt return. And it was incredible. Sky Moore was pulled off punt returns for a good chunk of the yeah. season because he was bad at it. You're right. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to sit here and say – but, but again, there's going to be growing pains with some of these rookies. Some of them are going to be up and down. We don't know where they're going. Like, I'm, I'm really curious to see what kind of year my Jay Sanders has next year as an edge rusher, depending on what kind of defense this, this team is playing or, or – or, uh, Cameron Thomas you know th- those those guys have a chance to be good and and again and I don't mean to pick a scab here but like Hassan Reddick everybody wanted to trash the Cardinals for making that pick for three years now they want to trash the Cardinals for not realizing what they had but like I didn't you know I, I know there were some fans saying hey try him outside he's not working on inside I get all that but like Again, some of this is this is all fluid in a lot of ways. This is all, you know, we'll see what happens with whoever the new coach is and what they want to do with Isaiah Simmons and and that kind of stuff. And I th- I, well, I think a good example of that is Zayvon Collins. Yeah. Look at the year he had, the leap he had this year. I agree. I mean, ultimately, that's why I think they needed a fresh start to see where some of these guys could go. I mean, how many times has it been brought up with Kyler Murray himself? I, I've heard I've heard the question or the, the speculation many times. Love to see what Kyler Murray would do in a different offense with a different coach. And and now we're going to find out. Well, look, as far as Hassan Reddick goes as well, I mean, we all love Hassan Reddick. I mean, great guy. Absolutely outstanding. What he endured and everything, et cetera. But you know what? When he went on the open market, when the Cardinals didn't go forward with him, he got a one-year deal for $6 million from Carolina. Yeah. It's not like he cashed in immediately. No. And then he went to his hometown team. Well, And, and obviously he's blowed up. He played well in Carolina, and he they did. didn't re-sign him either. No. And, and, but at the same time, and I asked this to Kyle Vandenbosch, how much of his production, 19 and a half sacks in 19 games, and I'm not minimizing his season or his talent, Nope. But look at all the other dudes you have to account for in that defensive front seven for that's, Philadelphia. That's true, too. I mean, the Fletcher Coxes and Brandon Grahams, they have 
defenders along that front who are legit, and they're as deep as any team in the league. They had 70 sacks as a team. They had four guys with 10 and a half or more sacks. It wasn't just Hassan Reddick. So, uh, you know, it, there's it's amazing how when you get a two or three different pass rushers and you have a team that's explosive on offense and you can pin your ears back and eat because you're playing with a lead all the time, it is amazing how you can pile up some of those pass rush statistics. So I just throw that out there. But there's no doubt. Look, if if Will Anderson is that guy, you got to take him. If Jalen Carter is the next Chris Jones, who's this year's Aaron Donald, you got to take him. Is that interior game wrecker? That guy along the defensive front, you can put in multiple spots and is always going to command the double team. Because look how valuable Chris Jones has been, which gets us dangerously close to analyzing this Super Bowl. Does anyone have a gut feeling? Danny, would you care to offer up an opinion as to what do you think things go out at State Farm Stadium? I'm only going to go with what I have already said to people at the office, and so that's why I'm going to go Eagles. And I know that anybody listening who – actually, you're probably not listening if you are from Dallas or that time when I worked for the other team probably pains you to say that. I don't think I'm going to tell my dad – uh, which team I'm picking for this Super Bowl. But I'm going to stick with my gut from a week ago, and I'm going to say Philly. Okay. All right. Darren? Uh, I, I, I think it's a real toss-up. It was funny. I, I saw a graphic on ESPN this morning, actually, and not only do they have the exact same record going into this game, but I think they have the same exact number of points scored. Yes, I saw that. And there was some other, there was yeah, some other crazy. thing. That's, Neither it, team has been behind in the postseason. I mean, it's... It's pretty even. I mean, I, that was actually Drew Stan's prediction was that if they're going to the tie, e- if the Eagles get behind, they're done. He really wants to see the Eagles, and if they have the ability to come back, if Mahomes starts out hot in the game, I I, I do think that I think Mahomes hurt experience wise. Mahomes has a lot over Hurts. and Reed has a lot over Sirianni. Yep, and I wonder how much that plays into it now. How healthy are, is this receiving core for the Chiefs? How how healthy is Mahomes' ankle? And is he going to be able to move? I mean, I know it's going to be better than it was, but is he going to be able to move at all uh, against a pass rush that is scary good? You know, if he was 100% healthy, I'm thinking, okay, that Eagles pass rush could get in trouble because they haven't been around a guy quite like that. But... If he can't quite move, that's a little bit tougher. I, I I hope it's a good game. I remember thinking a couple years ago Chiefs-Bucks was going to be a really good game, and then the Bucks blew them out, and then I'm like, no, that kind of stinks. What about you, Paul? Well, uh, the experience thing gives me pause. There's, there's no doubt about it, and I think that's important. But if it's all about neutralizing Patrick Mahomes, the Eagles are equipped. And we've seen it before. Yeah. When he struggles, it's when you get guys in his face. We Look. We've seen in that building an unbeaten Patriots team, and how did the Giants beat him? They got to Tom Brady. They got in his face. They hit him. They harassed him all game long. I think the Eagles do a real good job of that against Mahomes, and I just think Philly's the more complete team. And then I'll throw this out there as well. I think ultimately by the end of the game, you're going to realize, you know what, the Eagles' offensive line is better than the Chiefs' offensive line. And I just think the way they ran the ball against the Niners – the way they protected and kept Jalen Hurts clean against that number one ranked 49ers defense, that's about as impressive as I've seen against Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, and company. Even that's though true. the Niners, I get it. They were one, you know, I mean, that, that defense, I think, got demoralized a little bit because of the yes. quarterback situation. Well, uh, speaking of, sorry, speaking of the 49ers defense, this showed up on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw something before we got on air, but 
Roughly an hour ago, Tom, P- Tom Pelissero tweeted that the 49ers plan to hire Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator. So I don't know if you guys had seen that or not. Interesting. I had seen that, and, and good for Steve. And I do think he's going to find his way back into the potential hiring cycle for head coaches. And, uh, I mean, if you, you can't get into a better situation yeah. as a defensive coordinator than going to, to what the 49ers have. And, and it'll, it'll be interesting. They've got they've to get – Nick Bosa, a new contract, if if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so there's some there's some choices to make there and and, and deals to make, but uh, I I I think that's a great situation for him. Go, going back to your point, real quick, Paul. I I do think we talk about Mahomes' ankle. Like, how healthy is Jalen Hurts in that shoulder at this point? I mean, he looked pretty good against the 49ers, but he, he didn't have to do a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of urgency offensively because like you said there was no fear that the 49ers were going to be able to do much so you know that goes back to what Vanderbosch Kyle Vanderbosch said about falling behind I I I, was actually Drew Stanton on that I'm sorry Drew Stanton sorry one one of those former Cardinal players that I sorry dime a dozen of course that's Um, what Kyle gets for taking a shot at me earlier I, saw, I, saw I said, him. you have extra Super Bowl tickets, Kyle. What's the deal? And I, I, you know, I looked at me and Grillo. He said, no, I'm only inviting my friends to the game. Wow, that hurts. Ooh. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. You guys are my that. friends. Yeah. One of you is my friend. <laughs> See, I knew. I, somehow I knew that was going to happen. Now I, I've completely blocked Danny from my So who? Well. All right, final question. Who's got the best plan? Certainly not me. I'm going to live vicariously through the two of you. You're going to be out and about Super Bowl week. What's, what's the, the event you're most looking forward to covering or attending? Uh, I actually have a chance to uh, attend a couple of, there's a, well, I think Danny and I are both going to attend a, uh, a Hall of Fame luncheon uh, at the end of the week uh, with a bunch of Hall of Famers that are going to be there. And there's going to be some conversation about Violet Bidwell and her being the first female owner in the NFL. Um, so that's that's something to look forward to. And I'm also getting a chance to see, uh, go to the uh, Fritz Pollard luncheon. Uh, which is Fritz Pollard is now uh, the the alliance is now headed up by Rod Graves, former general manager. Who That's right. Yep. Was nice enough to invite me, and 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 that'll be interesting. I I, I just think it's it's going to be it's going to be a very kind of exciting week for the Valley. I know there's a lot of stuff going on downtown's hopping. I'm sure Scottsdale is going to be hopping for a number of days. There's the golf tournament and everything like that. But it it is definitely something. Uh, when the Super Bowl comes to town, and and even if you're not going to the game, just to 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 be around the buzz, I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to being at the luncheon with Darren, and then hanging see, out watching the game Sunday. I don't think that's why you're looking forward to the luncheon. I don't. I don't think. Well, I that's because really you can't see that. me over the monitor, so you can't really get a feel for what I'm saying. That's true. I'm going to miss, you know, not being in the office this week because I'm not going to overhear Danny game planning for the Open. You know exactly <laughs> how how that. How, how, I, I enjoyed that. There was. Like three or four people got together. They they had a really detailed game plan as to how they were going to approach attending the Phoenix Open last year. Last year, that was uh, that was well done. I, the See, amount Paul, of detail. I don't think you're ever listening because you've got amount, your headphones on. Are well, you not listening to anything? No, you were right. You were, I was getting up, and you were right behind us. Oh, and, we were by and, your yeah, desk. The whole thing, and boom, yeah. So I was like, wow. You know what? Okay. I might try and go. I might try and go Sunday morning. Um, I, I do agree. It's fun to like have the buzz, but the the thought of fighting through traffic or paying for ride share to get out to waste management oh, is oh, enough man. to make me not want to go. But I yeah. might go out Sunday hoping that people are going to be 
out at the stadium or maybe, you know, get to a spot in Scottsdale pretty early. So I might try and go to Waste Management Sunday before the game and get oh, in I'm, there. I'm sure nobody will be out there on Sunday. Sure. Uh, yeah. and I Thanks, think I, Darren. <laughs> last Super Bowl, I had a buddy of mine. He came into town because he had clients. He woke up Saturday morning and said, hey, can you run me out to the Phoenix Open? I could drop off some tickets for one of my clients. I said, no. I flat refused. I'm not getting anywhere near the Phoenix Open on a Saturday of Super Bowl week. No chance. Uh, this may, Maybe I'm dialing back to the number of private planes in the area. Yeah, but come full one, circle. One thing Super Bowl week does always remind me of is how much money I do not have. That's right. And that's a great place to end it. (laughs) Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.